All right, ladies and gentlemen, um, I got a good friend here with me. Um, honestly, I haven't seen him in a while, but it's been too long. Yeah, it's a busy life, busy life. Um, all right, well, why don't you introduce yourself? All right, so my name is Jake Kubota. I'm a real estate agent with Baird & Warner in their Gold Coast office, downtown Chicago, and happy to be here. Good to see you. Cool, cool. All right, so how long you been a real estate agent? So I'm brand new. I have been an agent for about a month. I passed my test back in February, in the middle of February, and then I started about two days later. So I got kind of lucky. I met the managing broker as well as the actual manager of the office, and I met with them probably about six to eight months before I actually got started. Right. They kind of walked me through the process of, you know, I was working a full-time salary job. Obviously, now I'm self-employed, so they kind of walked me through the process of transitioning, making sure I had my finances in order, and they really just, they're a family-owned business, so I got the vibe right away that they weren't just seeing me as another agent, another number that's going to bring them money, but they were truly like, this is how to make the transition smoothly. This is the best steps to get started. You have to get your license first before you can do anything. Thing, so do that first, but they made the process really, really easy to switch over to. So it was great. Yeah, yeah. I've heard good things about Baron Warner. Yeah, so yeah. that's that's pretty awesome. Now you said you had to get a license, right? Right. Um, could you walk us through the steps of it? How long did it take you? I know. Yeah. Some people take these tests and they're like, "Oh, I failed the first test," or yeah. you know, right? So, yeah. Yeah, so the process, it's it changed as I was going through it, actually. So even I had some issues with the State Department that approves your licensing and actually gives it out to you. Um, but Good so basically... Illinois. Yeah, right. yeah. You gotta love the government. Just kidding. Don't come after me. <laughs> but uh, basically, you have to do... It was originally a 75-hour-long course and then 45 hours, I believe, of post-license requirements. So you do a 70-hour course, you'd get your license, and then by the end of that first calendar year of having your license, you have to do additional education. And so I signed up for an online course. We we're in the midst of COVID. So there yeah. were no in-person classes, which is normally how they're done. Yeah. Um, so I did an online course and it was a self-taught course, basically. So they give you an ebook and, uh, you know, you have, you do a chapter, you take a practice test at the end of it, and then you move on. And I think there was, I believe, 26 chapters, I want to say. So I probably averaged about a chapter or two a week. I yeah. took my sweet time, to be completely honest. So I know some people have taken the course and passed within a month or two, and some people it takes them six months. So yeah. it kind of depends on you know how quick you are of a learner, and if you have any previous knowledge, that'll obviously come in really handy. But I had no previous knowledge, so it took me a little bit longer. Yeah. But I would say overall, intensely studying for about two months and then one month kind of still working full-time but trying to study and then I switched and basically left my position that I was at and then I had two months where I was like scary I have scary. a runway that's yeah. not that long and I need to get this done so it also helped me become a lot more productive throughout the day because then you know I was really tunnel vision I was yeah. like I got to get this done yeah I mean you burned your bridges right? yeah yeah that way you there's no turning there's, back. No, there's no other option back. exactly yeah. yeah that's uh it's a, it's it's an interesting thing and awkward for people yeah. leaving a, a salary job where it's like you know how much you're gonna make yep. you know every two weeks or you know every month or whatever mm -hmm. versus you're jumping into real estate where it's like you know I don't know how much I'm gonna make in commission this month yeah or, you know so, yeah. so it's, a, it's it's for sure a scary thing but. From what you said, it, I mean, Baron Warner obviously helped you out through that process, right? Mm -hmm. So, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, 
I guess, what influenced you into getting into real estate? Yeah, that was kind of an interesting question for me, too, because a lot of people ask, you know, like, what's your inspiration or why'd you get into that? And I didn't at first when I started thinking about that, you know, they tell you to have a why, uh, you know, you wake up every day and you're like, I'm doing this because of X. And for me, it wasn't necessarily the fact that, you know, I can make a ton of money or it's cool and people think real estate is cool. I really just had a keen interest for real estate. It's kind of cliche as that sounds, uh, even at a young age, like interior design seemed cool. Mm -hmm. Architecture, I remember my parents would want to go to the city and I would just be looking up at all the skyscrapers. And then as I got older, I was Googling those buildings and looking at a Apartments inside. And then as I got really older and now, you know, kind of where I'm at now, I realized that you can create a lot of wealth through real estate too. So my essential master plan really was to get my real estate license, get really experienced in real estate, kind of learn every aspect of real estate inside and out. So that way I can use that to my benefit and actually be a property owner property owner, be a landlord, you know, kind of build my wealth through real estate. So that's kind of my my master plan is yeah. to use what I learn now to cater my future and invest wisely, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if you know, but I'm a landlord. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we, we've had good tenants and we've had, you know. Not so good. Not so good. <laughs> to right? put it nicely. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Obviously, no names mentioned. Right. 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 But um, I mean. It's 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 a, it's not a full time job. Sure, but it, it can builds be. the wealth. Yeah, exactly. It, it, it can be because I mean it'll be Thanksgiving and you right. get a call that says, you know, Pipers. yeah, like my my toilet's like yep. backed up and I got a bunch of family here, right? Yeah. So it's like it's it's your kind of job. You got to leave your family right. to go help. You know, their family. Their yeah. family. Right? Yeah. But I mean, luckily, knock on wood, right? Uh, we've had some pretty good. Uh, tenants um that's good they're hard to come by yeah and and that's the other thing i mean real estate is you're you're making money while you sleep Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. uh a a lot of the times uh investing in real estate but other than being a landlord i know uh wholesaling do you know anything about that i don't know anything and and I've been seeing on you know instagram and youtube and all that wholesale real estate wholesale real estate yeah it's like all you have to do is click one video and yeah. <laughs> you're open to the world of advertisements right. too. But yeah, so I, I'm i not an expert on it by any mm. means, but I have a couple mutual friends that actually do basically do re- wholesaling and are in real estate investing as their full-time careers. So they're self-employed as well. So when I kind of made my announcement to the world that I was getting into real estate, that I was an agent at Baird & Warner, a couple reached out and they were like, hey, have you ever thought of you know, trying to do wholesaling on the side in addition to your real estate business? So I don't know too much just yet, but I'd say invite me back in six, 12 months. I'll probably have a lot more. But in a nutshell, sure. from what I've learned is people will you know, have a distressed property. Maybe you know you have a tax lien or you missed a couple payments and you got so far behind that you're probably going to have to foreclose or take some drastic measure to get out of that mortgage. Wholesaling, you essentially come in and you're kind of taking over their mortgage. I believe it's called a subject too, but again, I'm not really an expert on it, but you're essentially taking over the mortgage and putting it in your name, but paying them and then they're paying the bank still. And then you can take that and sell it to someone else. So let's say, you know, it's a $200,000 house. They have 80,000 in equity, but they have 120 left on the mortgage and they're so far behind 
maybe you know they need to pay five grand up front within the next two months or they're going to lose the home yeah if they lose the home you know they foreclose they can't get another home for seven years so a lot of times like i'd rather you just pay me five grand and you keep paying the mortgage and i'll at least be able to keep the house yeah otherwise i'm screwed you know yeah so it's mainly kind of finding that needle in the haystack and then taking that and saying okay well it's kind of a fixer upper. We might need to put like 20 grand, 30 grand into it, but then we can resell it for 250, yeah. even though it's appraised at 200 or whatever it is. So then you can take that to an investor and say, Hey, look, I have this property. I'm getting it for X. You know, I'll charge you 10 grand as an assignment fee. And then sometimes you can do more. Sometimes you can do 15, 20 grand. It all yeah. kind of depends on the property and how much wiggle room you have. But then you can take that to an investor and say, Hey, I found the property. They're willing to sell. All you have to do is come up with the cash and flip it, and you'll profit X. Yeah. So for an investor, they don't have the time usually because they're busy actually doing the flips. They yeah. don't have the time to go find the needle in the haystack. So that's, from my knowledge, essentially what wholesaling is, is yeah. finding those properties, and you're just kind of the middleman bringing that property owner in touch with the investor, and then you're collecting a fee you know, for finding that, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Nice. Nice breakdown. Yeah. Honestly. I mean, it's... Yeah, it's uh, it, it, a great really way to make some clear. money really yeah. quickly. I mean, it might take it might take you some time to get started, but from what I've heard, you can is once you find the right person, you can you know find a cash investor and they might close within a week, and you made ten grand in a week. So yeah. it's like if you put that Not into bad. those perspectives, Not exactly. Not yeah, bad, uh, pocket change. Yeah, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. Oh man! All right, so you you kept saying uh, we were talking earlier, right? Yeah, you kept saying that you uh, use a lot of social media for real estate. Yes, right. Yeah. So how does that, if any, does it have any drawbacks, any negative? I mean... And what are the positives? Yeah, I, I would say it probably depends on the person, right? I mean, some say all good mar- or all marketing is good marketing, no matter what, as long as people's, you know, as long as your name is in others' mouth, it's a good thing. Yeah. Um, but I wouldn't recommend that in the real estate world because you're kind of selling yourself. You, you know, people work with you if they like you. It's, I mean, not to say all realtors are the same. Obviously, there are some great ones and some not so great ones. But for the most part, people aren't going out and saying, oh, I'm picking you because you do great, you know, marketing and X, Y, and Z. They're probably picking you because they like you as a person yeah. and they think that you'll actually help them and you have their best interests out. So. I would say social media is great so long as, you know, you stay away from polarizing topics. You're not going on some crazy political rant, you know, (laughs) taking away probably half of the audience that was potentially interested in what you had to say. Um, Yeah, I don't don't really think there's too many cons, but the pros, I would say, are pretty pretty limitless. Obviously, we're in a world where everyone's connected to their phone and social media and self-branding yourself is probably one of the most important things as a realtor, just getting your name out there every realtor's goal really should be when I say real estate, you should think of me, you know? So that's kind of the power of social media is if you blast all these different channels and people see you subconsciously three times a day talking about real estate, when you're getting ready to buy, they're going to be like, well, I should at least call Jake and get some advice. And then, you know, you can pick up clients that way. So it's been great so far. I would say I've gotten a lot of interest in a lot of leads just from posting stories and information and updating people on markets and things like that so i'd say it's really useful tool yeah that's awesome now you said clientele right yeah so you're new to the game yeah you know what's the struggle i know i keep hearing uh a lot of cold calling at first till you Mm -hmm. build that clientele yeah um you said you've gotten good leads off of uh social media Mm -hmm. right um 
what's the struggle right now for you building that clientele or finding those clients, right? Um, I mean, I, I don't think I have any struggles necessarily. I think I could be doing things better, but I think every agent, their struggle starting off is just getting the traction, right? Yeah. Getting people to trust that I know what I'm doing. I'm a licensed professional. I had to study for a course that took three months and then pass a test. So it's not like I don't know what I'm doing, but being a young kid, you know, I'm t contacting generally people that are older than me or around my same age and it's your home. It's the biggest investment you're going to make. They just want to make sure you're knowledgeable, you're trustworthy, you're punctual, you know, you kind of just got your ducks in a row. Yeah. And I think for a lot of realtors, when they first start off, they probably don't have a lot of that. And they need to fill in those gaps before people will actually trust them, work with them, or reach out to them on your own. So as a realtor, you're not just, you know, client facing, helping them, you know, tour places and do open houses and appraisals and things. But I also have to be sales. I have to find new clients constantly. Yeah. And I also have to market myself. So it's really not, you know, one specific part of the business, but there's multiple parts. And I think generally realtors, when they first start off, are probably good at one. For example, I have a sales background, so I'm great with contacting people yeah. and reaching out and making that connection. But marketing, I've never really done. So it's kind of new for me to be all over social media, taking a selfie video yeah. as I walk <laughs> through an apartment or doing a podcast and getting yeah. my name out there more. It's something I kind of shied away from for a while, but now I'm realizing the power of that. So it's it's a different ball game. But I think for most realtors starting off, just getting that initial traction, getting your first deal, getting that confidence and just being consistent with it because it's a sales job, right? So yeah. if you're doing great, you're more motivated, you're waking up earlier, you're working extra hours. And then on the flip side, when you're not doing great, Maybe you're closing the laptop at four o'clock instead of six o'clock, or yeah. you're taking a day off and going to drink with buddies or something, and you start to lose focus and you get demotivated. So I think just keeping that consistency and having an actual system in place gets people a lot further, a lot quicker, and can help shorten that learning curve. Yeah. So it's it's like a lot of a uh, routine, right? Yeah. So what are you willing to do? You know, almost every day that right. the average person ain't gonna do every day. Yeah. That's gonna make you stand out. Right? Exactly, and it's the it's the little things, right? So, uh, consistency. I mean, at least for me, I'm on a schedule, right? Yep. Yep. I'm on a schedule every day. So, yeah. wake up, gym. Yep. You know, it it just opens up the day for you. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Morning. At least I, I'm the morning guy. Right? I just switched to the morning yeah. workouts, and it, we talked about it for yeah. a little. And I was like, and wow, it's, it's a total game changer, right? Because yeah, yeah. you know, got a bunch of. You know, people from the afternoon that are just there to socialize, honestly. Yeah. Yep. Um, and, and it just opens up your whole day, right? Um, now, you said, you know, you're, you're reaching out to a lot of people that are your age. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we're still young. Sure. Yeah. Right? Yep. 30 for me is a lot closer than 30 for you, but still, it's, it's right. <laughs> it's getting the there, yeah. Right. Um, but uh, I know a lot of them are going to be first time homebuyers. Yes. Right? Yeah. Could you explain to me? Uh, any benefits that you know, at least in Illinois, that you might know? I don't know if they're yeah. you know nationwide. Yeah. Um, you know, how could a new home buyer take advantage of any incentives or, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of the main things a lot of people get kind of confused about and really shy away from home ownership is the initial down payment and how much money they need upfront. Not, you know, including monthly recurring payments on the mortgage and interest, but really just how much money do I actually need to save up and have 
to actually close on this property, put a down payment, earn us money, closing costs, attorney fees, all that. It ends up costing a pretty good amount, but a lot of people have the misconception that they have to have 20%, mm -hmm. which is pretty common knowledge for the most part to qualify for a conventional loan. You don't always, but normally it's around 20%. I know there's some workarounds right now as well, but you really can bring it down all the way to about three, three point five percent if you get an FHA loan, which is a loan for first time home buyers. Yeah. It's run by the Fed, so it's federally backed. It's not, you know, some sketchy loan from like a backdoor alley yeah. kind of <laughs> loan officer or anything. Yeah. It's a legitimate federally run program and it's to help people that haven't gotten into a home get into a home because as I'm sure you know, maybe the crowd doesn't Real estate is the greatest way to build your net worth. I could pull up charts right now and show you the average median net worth of someone who owns a home and who doesn't at different age brackets, and it's night and day. If you yeah. own a home by 40, you're likely 200 to 300,000 higher net worth than you are that someone's still renting. Yeah. So it makes sense to try to get into the game early, but getting into the game and saving up that money is usually pretty hard for people our age. I'm assuming the average person doesn't have, you know, $30,000 sitting in the bank that they can just slap down, write a check and walk into a home tomorrow. Yeah. So that's usually the hardest part, but again, an FHA loan you can get with up to about 3, 3.5 down, so you could probably qualify for a pretty decent sized place that you'd probably be paying a similar amount in rent for, but you can actually own the home. Yeah. And then as far as state run programs, right now there's two really great ones, especially for any students out there. There's a program run by IDA, IHDA, and they're through the state of Illinois, it's the Illinois Housing Department. Um, but they have a program right now for first time home buyers where if you have student loans, they're wiping your student loans for you up to $40,000. So essentially, let's say you go out, you buy a property, it's worth you know $200,000, and you had $35,000 in student loans from school that you still wanted to pay off. If you applied for this program, you show them proof that you actually just purchased on a home, they'll wipe up to $40,000 of your student loans just because you purchased a home. So you're already wow. getting the aspect of home ownership, <laughs> yeah. but then you don't have to pay back a crap ton of student loans that you probably were going to anyway. Yeah. And it's like, if you're going to buy a home, obviously apply for this too, because you can just get free money, just clear debt right yeah. off of your name. Um, and then other than that, there's a program called Smart Buy. Um, and essentially that program is... Uh, it's basically like a down payment assistance. Okay. So it depends on you know how much you make in income, your credit, and a couple other factors. But you can qualify for either 3 4 or 5% in down payment assistance. So again, going back to that, you need 20% down. You technically, There's other options. There's exactly. Other options. There's a yeah. lot of workarounds. Obviously, the best advice I could give to anyone is reach out to an agent and then reach out to a lender and actually sit down with someone who does lending as their actual job and then present them with all your information about how much money you're making, your current financial situation. And they can tell you within probably 15 to 30 minutes exactly how much home you can qualify for, what roughly monthly payment you'd be looking at, and the comparison to how much your net worth would grow if you stayed renting or if you actually took the hit, maybe felt a little bit uncomfortable with your bank account decreasing a little bit temporarily, yeah. but then you know long-term it's going to be a lot further return on investment than you would if you were just renting. So. Yeah. 
any renter out there, I would definitely say take a look into it at the very least, even if you have to lower your standard of living a little bit. For example, I rent right now and I have a great apartment and I know I'm going to buy a place at the end of the lease and I know yeah. it's not going to be as nice to start, but then I'll level up, right? Yeah. So it's... You kind of got to take a little first, hit to the ego, but first home, exactly, right? first exactly, home. not dream not your home, forever home, exactly, right? exactly. Yeah, so de- definitely, um, you said to reach out to a to a loan officer, right? Yeah. Do you recommend for people to go and get pre-approved uh, before they start looking? Yeah, because you know you don't want to f- you you don't want you know either you know you and your significant other right go see a house. And it's, you know, half a mil yep. when then you go to your loan officer, right? And he's yep. like, oh, well, you can only afford, you know. 200. 200, yeah, right? Yeah. So you, do, you don't want to be heartbroken, right? Exactly. So exactly. Def- definitely go out to uh, get pre-approved, right? And mm-hmm. then obviously talk to your agent. Exactly. And I think that's a common misconception for a lot of people, too, is they don't know that that's a very specific aspect. And for realtors, we pr- I would assume most tell them that step number one is, Okay, great. Here's all the information you need to know. This is the process of buying a home, especially for first-time home buyers. It's more educational. Like step A, step B, step C, and step A is usually go talk to a loan officer, get pre-approved, figure out how much roughly we're looking at, and then we can actually cater our search, find you properties, and really kind of get into the nitty-gritty. But a lot of people come to us and think we're going to be able to tell them what they can afford and yeah. you know how much home they can afford, and that's not our job. Our yeah. job is to take the information the loan officer gives us and then cater it specifically to them. But we are not financial uh, yeah. financial, financial advisors or advisors, anything like yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> now, uh, you know, you said you were kind of doing uh, online classes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it was all because of COVID. Yeah. So with COVID and, you know, in the back of people's heads. Yeah. How are, and obviously you you didn't do open houses before COVID, mm-hmm. right? But how are open houses right now? Yeah, I mean, luckily, fingers crossed, things are starting to seem like they're getting better. Case numbers are dropping. Vaccines are more widespread. A lot of people are vaccinated now. So I'd say the the hysteria and the concern has dropped a little bit, but precautions are still the same, right? Especially, you know, sky-rise buildings, more dense areas like Chicago. It's probably stricter than if you're a little bit further out in the suburbs. There's not as many people around you. You might as you might be able to get away with no mask or something, but I would assume for the most part, everyone's doing masks, hand, hand sanitizers, trying to keep the crowds to a minimum. I know our office is recommending not to have more than two to three people per open house okay. so I'm, i was gonna I, w- I was gonna ask i'm like is it one person at a time and then you got you know yeah other yeah people outside waiting or you know yeah it, it, it'll depend on the space right you know yeah. if you have a, a penthouse it's four thousand square feet i'm sure you know probably six people in there would be totally fine you wouldn't even notice it but yeah. if it's a you know 600 square foot studio there's probably going to be a line but also, there might not be that many people at that open house. So yeah. it all it depends on the property, too, and how much turnout you're generating and how it's staged. So there's a lot of variables, but the concerns are still there. So the precautions are important because you would hate to be that person yeah. that makes one slip up and then gets a bad press. And <laughs> yeah. that's not good marketing. Even though they're talking about you, that's yeah, not good that's marketing. Not good <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, do you see any, like... Uh, industry dis, uh disruptors right anything that like so so since you posted a while back ago that you were mm-hmm. in real estate right yeah i mean if i look at my timeline 
see a ton of people being realtors now. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I, and I'm not saying it's bad because you know there's more options for everybody and there's plenty of houses to go around. Right, right you're right. Um, do do you work with other realtors right now, or how do, how does that work when when like if uh, if one of your friends is looking for a house, but they're maybe like in Rockford or Milwaukee or mm-hmm. you know. Do you recommend them to another office? Can you still help them out? Or how does that work? Yeah, I mean, in theory, you could technically still help them out. Mm-hmm. I don't think that would be doing them the best service, nor do I think they really are deserving of me only being virtual and only doing some sort of Zoom or FaceTime or virtual showing or remotely mm-hmm. setting up tours but not being there with them. I think part of being an agent is actually having a lot of face-to-face interaction, having moments where you can just sit down and really hear them out. So for me, I would say no, I probably wouldn't do anything. You know, if I had a client at Rockford, we all have a referral process everyone's is different but for the most part generally you can reach out to either someone you know in for example Baird and Warner I believe we have 25 ish offices around the Chicagoland area so if it's really far out west maybe I don't think it's worth me driving two plus hours all the time to just go to a few showings and hope that they put an offer in it might make more sense for me to just contact someone local and say hey I've got this great client you know, and then Help it them out. generally will come down to a little bit of negotiating as to how much they're willing to, you know, break you off for sending them a ready and willing buyer. But that's kind of the beauty of the, the industry, too, is you can call someone up, say, hey, I've got a client. They're really interested. Here you go. And you might get, you know, a pretty decent amount of change for just making that one phone call and introducing them. Yeah. And then yeah. you let them handle the rest of the work and you just kind of sit back and say, let me know when that deal's closed. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. So. And, and, and then it works, you know back in your favor right right maybe someday he'll reach out to you send you you a a customer that or i don't know what do you call them customers uh yeah most would call them client but yeah yeah customers usually on the other side so example if i was representing the buyer Mm -hmm. the buyer is my client and then the seller would be the customer gotcha if that makes sense but Yeah. yeah um that touches really well on working with other realtors too because it's obviously a, a game of who you know and kind of like your network is your net worth. Yeah. So if you know a ton of realtors in the city, they might just know of someone that you have a property that you're trying to sell and they might be like, oh, I have a client that's perfect for that. So I personally think the more connections you can make in the industry, the better because then you're just broadcasting yourself further. Yeah. Your reach gets further. Your clientele gets further. You might sell a property quicker. So unlimited benefit really to just knowing people know and having people. a relationship and there's yeah. no downside to that either. So, Yeah. Um, for the younger realtors, what do you, you know, you're just a couple steps ahead of them, right? Sure. Um, what do you recommend for them to do? You know, kind of give us what you think they should do. Right? Okay, yeah. I mean, two things. Number one, I think the biggest thing is actually knowing your why. Because unfortunately, it's a pretty crazy statistic, but I believe the number is 87% of all realtors fail within their first two years of trying the business. And failing might not be, you know, they go bankrupt and lose their house or go completely broke, but it might be, it might mean that they just give up, you know, and they go back to working a salary job and they stop practicing real estate. So 13% of all realtors succeed in two years is a really daunting number, right? I left a salary job to hope I'm part of that 13%. So I think the biggest thing is having your why, 
knowing, you know, why you're waking up every day and actually doing that. Um, and then also just really making sure that you know exactly what you're getting into too, right? A lot of people think real estate's all fun and games and you're just walking, you know, fancy million dollar houses and apartments. But when you start off, you're probably going to be in some sketchy areas, maybe some homes that you wouldn't even live in yourself. But that's, that's kind of part of the game, right? Is building your way up, building that connection and getting better, higher level, you know, higher income clientele and things of that sort. So it, Starting off, I would say know your why, study a lot, don't try to learn, or sorry, don't try to study, but try to actually learn the information. I think a lot of people, me included, going through college, I just tried to study and you know get a C or a B on the test. Yeah. <laughs> Two weeks later, I probably couldn't name even what the topic of the chapter was yeah. about. But now, as I realized this is going to be a lifelong career for me, I spent a lot more time studying than probably most would, but I wanted to make sure I had everything really solidly down. So that way, moving forward, I use that as a foundation and continue to learn. So for new agents, yeah, just make sure you know what you're getting into, know your why, and then go get your license. If you want to be an agent, you have to have a license. If you want to do wholesaling, go meet and join Facebook groups, connect with people. So obviously feel free to reach out to me directly if you have more questions. But I think for the most part, just having a little bit of a foundation and knowing why you're getting into it is really the most important part. Yeah, definitely. Now, like you said, you kind of sat down, buckled down, and did your work, right? Right. And actually learned what you were going to be doing, Mm -hmm. right? And like you said... When we went to school, I mean, it was just like, okay, what do I got to know to be able to pass this test? Right. right. How and, can and, I not fail yeah. this class? Yeah. And, and I think things are really changing as far as education where people are finding out that, you know, you sometimes don't really need that college, mm-hmm. you know, education. Because sure. what did you study for? Uh, so I went into recreation management. So I got a Bachelor of Science, but... My initial goal, I was really into fitness and working out. And so I was trying to do something in that realm. Originally, I was like, maybe I'll work for a park district and run a gym or something and then maybe own my own gym one day. I kind of just went into it with a really optimistic mindset. And then I actually... I don't know if I should say this, but I did an internship at a park district yeah. and I kind of just, I had to do all the office work <laughs> and I ended up stuffing everyone's paychecks and like W-2s and stuff. Yeah. Not that I was looking at them specifically, but there was a sheet that kind of showed like how much people were making. Yeah. So I just glanced at it quickly and I didn't really see too many high numbers yeah. just across the board in general. Even with experience Right, stuff, right. Like, yeah. And yeah. so I was like, I'm studying in school to go into this, but... I don't think I'm ever going to make the money I want to make even 10, 15 years into the industry. So that's partly why when I graduated, I was like, what's a job I can get that, you know, basically I just need a college degree to do. And sales for me was essentially unlimited income potential. And all I needed to do was be a college graduate. So I didn't even use my degree full, full transparency. I just jumped out of college, went directly into sales, (laughs) was in sales for three to four years. And then the time was right for me to make the switch. And then I moved into real estate. So Help having a sales background helps, but I think everyone has some sort of background, either customer service or sales or even marketing or being really good on Instagram or things like that. So you can use all those skills to help, you know, build up your business too. Yeah. yeah. Now, um, I guess what are your goals from here? Like, what do you plan on five years from now and 10 years from now? Yeah. So 
basically my year long plan is to just get my business up and running, do as many transactions as I can, but more so just helping as many people as I can. Because I think at the end of the day, especially for newer agents, you know, we're all trying to make money. We all have lives and bills to pay and everything, but building a career out of real estate is different than just making money right now. And I think a lot of people kind of get those intertwined and it's really important to separate them. You can make a lot of money right now, but be terrible to all your customers and they'll never call you again. Or you might not make as money right now, but you might take, you might do all the little things that those customers will remember. And I've heard stories where customers, you know, they might send a postcard once a year to former customers or clients or something like that. And they still might get a phone call 10, 20 years later, like, Hey, you sold us this house. We've been in it for 15 years, but you did such a great job. We want you, we want to use you to sell. Yeah. And we want to move somewhere else. And then you get two transactions out of that one deal you did 10 years ago. So I think 10 year or five year goal for me would be to do a great job, take my time with all my clients and then really grow my business to the point where not to the point where it's fully automated and I'm hands off not doing anything because I still want to be very active. But I want to get it to the point where I have a lot of people in my network. I have people just coming to me directly, selling, buying. And then I also 10 year plan would either love to either be a landlord like yourself or get into development because yeah. I do have a family friend that's a really, really successful developer and he's done some really awesome projects and that really fascinates me to just have the foresight to see a plot of land and be able to design some sort of neighborhood out of that and see... Make something from nothing. Exactly, right? yeah. Right. So that's that's kind of the master plan is to get more into the investing side long term, but yeah. for the right here, right now is just really just actually help people and be genuine with them and hope that that'll continue to grow. They'll tell their friends that I did a great job and that I did all the little things that they didn't even know came with being an agent and then that'll really help me grow my business. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Is it all going to be here in uh, in the Chicagoland area, or do you plan on going somewhere else? Um, I personally think I'll probably be here for the long haul now that I'm, I mean, so Baird and Warner is a family owned Chicago land business. We actually have been around since the 1800s. So I'm sure every Chicagoan knows about the great Chicago fire back way back in the day. Baird and Warner, the owner, his last name is Baird. I forgot his first name. I probably shouldn't say that, but (laughs) he, uh, he actually helped a lot of the families in Chicago and businesses in Chicago rebuild. So a lot of the buildings that are, you know, some of the most iconic buildings in Chicago that were rebuilt after the fire were either sold or someone moved in through the help of Baird and Warner. So they're really ingrained in Chicago. They're only in Chicago. Again, I'm in Chicago land area. Obviously, we're in the suburbs and everything too. But for me right now, I'm trying to build a business that's focused in Chicago and the suburbs. Those are kind of my two hubs being from Schaumburg. I've got a ton of friends and family and everything in that area. But then also I have a lot of friends. I worked in the city for two years. I have a lot of coworkers and friends I went to school with that are now working in the city. So I think for me, it's kind of nice that I can tap into both markets too. Yeah, yeah. So that's been that's been helpful, knowing different groups of people and everything. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Well, thanks for stopping by, man. Yeah, it was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. Good to see you. Good education. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Education. So definitely uh, reach out to Jake. Uh, you want to give him your Instagram, whatever you want to give him, YouTube. Yeah, I mean, pretty LinkedIn. pretty much everything is at Jake Kubota. Um, Instagram, Spell I have a out. Facebook Spell page. It so it's J-A-K-E-K-U-B-O-T-A. So Jake Kubota, it's on Instagram. 
I have a Facebook page. It's Jake Kubota Realtor. And then I made a TikTok this morning. So yeah, going to start posting some, some videos of some it. cool looking apartments. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of a perk of being a realtor. You can get into some pretty cool looking apartments. So I'll kind of highlight different price points and what you can get. And I'll even start doing probably a series every Tuesday or Thursday or something just to let people know, here's what $1,000 gets you in Old Town or here's what yeah. $2,000 gets you in Lakeview and things like that. So people can kind to just get a feel for what their money would be worth as well so those are all chicago i guess communities you want to call them yeah yeah yeah, neighborhoods in chicago exactly uh, chicago friendly or yeah i was the same way don't so don't worry at all i was very lost and confused for the first year if not more of living in the city but as time goes on i've gotten used to it and that's part of our job as realtors too is to really know know the ins and outs of everything yeah exactly know your territory awesome well definitely reach out for him uh or reach out to him (laughs) Uh, and thanks jake yeah it was a pleasure dude appreciate it